Hello and welcome to Strange Stuff. My name is Andy. And uh, I'm Mark. I think where we should start is maybe talk about who we are, where we are. I don't think anybody realises that we're in the middle of Sweden because our names are Andy and Mark. Well, uh, it's uh, difficult to imagine that we do live in such remote areas. I mean, you know, me living on an island, literally. You're a bit closer to civilization, but even that is a bit of an exaggeration. You're about four hours away from civilization, I would say. That's by plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it's not that bad. But uh, bad. I mean, compared to what's going on in our home country right now, we're in paradise. Yeah, and uh, as you know, having just been there. Uh, I definitely agree. I wouldn't want to be home just at the moment. I I mean, I don't know what's going to happen this evening because for the purposes of historical relevance, today is the day that Boris is going to announce Freedom Day. (laughs) Well, it is Freedom Day, but unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, not for him, of course, because he's he's self-isolating at home. Yeah, and so are two other senior members of the cabinet. Well, Rishi... (laughs) Sunak, he's got quite a big house, as I understand it, so it's probably not a problem for him. Isn't he married to one of India's richest women? Yes. So he's probably one of the only actually smart people in the whole of the UK cabinet. What is he doing in politics? Well, you can't sit at home counting your money all day. Can't you? I've I've never had the opportunity to try. (laughs) I'd like to give it a good good go at it. You can rely on me. It does get a bit boring after a time. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Especially, especially if you've got Nanny keeping count on the side. <laughs> nanny, how much are we up to? Oh, I forgot. You stupid woman. <laughs> right, so where are we going to start? We've talked about how remote okay, we well, are, yeah, but we but are connected with the internet, thank God. We, so. need, we need to sort of have some kind of explanation of what we're doing. And this is a podcast that started off... Um, in my first iteration as a, a, a true crime murder podcast, but it was a bit awkward because you're a bit squeamish and lactose it's not, intolerant. It's not squeamish, it's just I, I found it all a bit distasteful. There has to be something that's actually fun and doesn't rely on other people's misfortune to provide a bit of entertainment. As other it people's were. misfortune is the base of comedy, for God's sake. Well, I'm sure um, we can find some middle ground. Yeah, but also I, I struggled to find, because I wanted particularly strange and weird murder cases, and the there's a there's a, a, a big, it's not even a thin line, it's a big thick line between just pure gruesome and strange and wonderful. So oh. we've changed now to a more 
encompassing strange story type podcast. We're, we're appealing to a wider demographic. Well, we're appealing to you, I think. <laughs> and, and I think... Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> no, Andy, no. <laughs> Being as old as I am, podcasts are completely alien to me and it would be very interesting if we ever get any listeners. <laughs> to be fair, though, Mark, colour television is alien technology to you. Well, we'll get what is their one. demographic we are actually <laughs> appealing to? We're, we're, we're trying to appeal to anyone who's got 10 minutes to give us a listen, really. I think you'll find, <laughs> right. I think you'll find that this, this, the content will speak for itself and you'll be amazed how many people find it quite amusing to listen to two old geezers just rambling on, especially if we keep it short and sweet. That's and anyway, the idea. This is episode one. So cheers. I've got my cheers. little glass of wine here. Yes, it's still a little bit too early for me. And in fact, you were saying earlier it's five o'clock. It's not five o'clock. It's, oh, it's fucking, ten to five. Oh, sorry. It's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've made sure for the benefit of our family listeners, I've actually installed a bleep button. <laughs> Have I got one? No, you haven't. <laughs> well, that's because you know you can rely on me not to... What's the American word? Curse. <laughs> well, you can go on, say it. Say a swear word. Curse. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to me to catch you every time you try and swear. Action! <laughs> oh, stop it! That's disgusting. Even I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Okay. Right. So what we're going to talk about today, everybody I've knows. I've got a good idea. I've got Go a good on. idea. Go on then. Can I introduce a good idea? Yes, on absolutely. First? I think we need a studio audience. Oh, I in, absolutely. Let's have the studio audience. Welcome to Strange Stuff Podcast. <laughs> Classic. Uh, I'm Andy. Classic. And that fella over there, that's Mark. <laughs> oh, well, that I went down well. <laughs> exactly. I don't know quite what that was, but anyway. That was a hyena. <laughs> right. Moving on to the story in hand. Moving on to the story in hand. Everybody knows the legend, myth, the urban myth of uh, the guy who sold London Bridge to the Yanks. What most people don't realise is that it's not only a true story. The guy, the guy who carried it off, it was a, a chap named Arthur Ferguson. He was a Scotsman. And it, it came to him rather late in life, his true calling. He was a, an, a Glasgow-born actor. And he retired by the time that he he discovered his true calling, and he was wandering through he was wandering through uh, Trafalgar Square one bright and sunny morning in 1923, and it occurred to, uh, he, the source of his revelation was basically a rich American from Iowa, who he found staring at Nelson's column. Ferguson, being retired, had nothing better to do then appointed himself as the official guide to the square. And speaking to the American, he explained that the statue atop 
the column was Admiral Lord Nelson, one of Britain's most famous seafarers and heroes. And he died during the Battle of Trafalgar, etc. After which the square was named. Such a terrible shame, though, he continued, <laughs> ad-libbing, that the square wouldn't feel the same without it. Because so this was this was 1923. 1923, yeah, it was just uh, between right. the first and the second world wars. Yes, and being a canny Scotsman, <laughs> seeing a rich American, he obviously figured that there was half a chance of getting a, a score here. Yeah, so he explained to the American that it all had to go, uh, the lions, the fountains included, because Britain's debts after the war were sky high, and the government had decided to sell off the whole landmark to the highest bidder. Now, <laughs> by a curious coincidence... <laughs> He said it was Ferguson himself who had been entrusted by the government with the task of organising the sale, which had to be kept top fucking... Oh, sorry. Top secret. <laughs> I think I need the button on my side rather than you on your side. <laughs> yeah, but I can't, I can't be sure whenever I'm going to say the word. <laughs> Right, so Ferguson's doing a bit of a sales pitch. To he's this doing fellow. a bit of a sales pitch, and it's, it's it's completely off the cuff. And you've got to remember, he's a retired actor now, so he's obviously sixty plus. And I mean, he, he obviously wasn't a famous actor because we don't know his name as an actor. But he, he made a career out of it anyway. But this is where he came into his own. Having said that, the sale had to be kept top secret. The American pleaded with Ferguson to allow him to jump the queue. Like, come on, guy. I got a few bucks. Let's talk turkey here. That's exactly what he said. And <laughs> Ferguson relented, and you can't see my air quotes here, but he telephoned his employers for instructions. He came back after a few minutes, and it was decided that Britain was prepared to accept a check right away to complete the deal as soon as possible. Now, Ferguson, stunned at his own cunning, immediately went off and cashed the check while his customer got in touch with some contractors. <laughs> what, well, did he actually cash the cheque? Yeah, he went straight to the bank to cash the cheque, right? <laughs> the contractors were really reluctant to accept the job of digging up Nelson's column and taking it to America. You can understand why. And they, they said it wasn't until they received official assurance from Scotland Yard that they wouldn't get nicked. <laughs> so how far did they get? I mean, did they actually start digging? Oh, God, no, 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 no. It wasn't until Scotland Yard got in touch with um, the American that he realised that he'd been conned. Do we have a name of the American? No. That summer was a really good one for Arthur Ferguson, but it wasn't so, so great for the American. And the police were really not happy. And uh, do we know how much he got? Unfortunately, that information is not available to me right this second, but I believe it was £50,000. All right. Which was a fair, a fair lump of cash. In 1923? Yep. Now, in 1925, having got a taste of it, and he'd buggered off to France, probably to escape the, the long arm of the law. He managed to sell the Eiffel Tower for scrap <laughs> at an unknown price to yet another American. And since Americans have been his best customers, he decided to continue his work in their country. So he buggered off to America in, and he leased the White House 
to a Texan cattle rancher for 99 years at $100,000 a year. <laughs> now, this is a guy that I would really love to go and have, have a drink with. I have to say that there's, there is an outside chance that there may be some Americans who ultimately listen to this. It's rather disparaging of Americans that they could firstly be sold Nelson's, Nelson's column, column, the Eiffel Tower, and then someone who would be willing to imagine they could lease the White House, which is the president's <laughs> residence, in their own home country. I don't know how many Englishmen would fall for, do you want to rent 10 Downing Street? I reckon... But they'll probably do a better a job as Prime Minister, I have to say. Yeah, Maybe we should couple. put it up for rent. It might be worth a try. I, I, I would imagine that you would find takers if you put 10 Downing Street up on Airbnb. <laughs> there, would, there would probably be quite a queue. <laughs> well, in fact, isn't it... Uh, it's actually Rishi Sunak, the um, Chancellor of the Exchequer, who lives at number 10. Boris lives at number 11. That's right, because it's the bigger apartment. And he needs the family accommodation, now being a family man again. Well, apparently he's been a family man nine or ten times. No one's actually quite sure of the figures. That would be a good uh, podcast. Doing, doing an investigation to determine how many children Boris Johnson actually has. No one, no one could ever really... It's, it's a bit like the, the deaths by COVID. No one could ever officially <laughs> put a number on it. Uh, we're definitely avoiding all content... Is contentious the right English word? Contentious, yeah, contentious subject matter. We should so. have a safe word, maybe. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we'll have to think of a safe word when you venture into some of your conspiratorial areas of interest. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to Ferguson. Is that the end of the Ferguson story? Or oh, is not more? by a long way. Not by a long, long way. <laughs> OK, so when he le well, obviously when he leased the White House to the Texan cattle rancher, the deal involved the first year's rent in advance because there was no way he was going to get paid the second year. <laughs> anyway, his bank balance was now sufficiently big enough for him to, uh, in the 1920s to consider retiring. But his vanity got the better of him and he wanted to end his career with a grand finale. So while and in New York, he found the perfect victim. It was an Australian from Sydney. I don't know, is that racist if I... <laughs> Is that racist? It's an Australian from Sydney. Well, it doesn't sound like an Australian accent, so they probably won't take what? too much offence. What do you mean, mate? That's perfect. That's a perfect Australian accent. Yeah. Digger. <laughs> <laughs> so what did, he, what did he do to this poor, unsuspecting Australian? Okay. Ferguson told him, and this is genius, okay, that the entrance to New York Harbour needed to be widened, and unfortunately, that Statue of Liberty was in the way. <laughs> However, sentimental attachment was not going to stop the path of progress, and the US State Department had given him licence to sell it to anyone who would take it away. <laughs> And an Australian thought, that's a good idea. Let's ship the Statue of Liberty to Sydney Harbour. Now, the Australian went, me, mate, that's a 
fucking great deal. <laughs> the Australian attempted to raise the 100 grand deposit over the next couple of days. Ferguson was practically glued to his side. He couldn't let him out of his sight, obviously, because he needed to keep control of the situation. Carefully steering him away from anyone who he might be tempted to talk to and boast about getting the Statue of Liberty back to Australia because you can't be spreading those kind of rumours. Anyway, he did. Ferguson kindly allowed himself to be photographed with his buyer arm-in-arm arm in front of the statue. Now, unfortunately, there was a delay in getting the money through. Um, Ferguson was getting impatient and the Australian was getting suspicious and he took the photograph of him and Ferguson to the police and it was exactly the breakthrough the police needed. They already knew about the salesman of monuments but he'd always managed to escape them because 1925 they didn't have the internet or smartphones or cameras basically. Or fingerprints. So, yeah, I mean forget that. I mean what are you, you going to dust the Statue of Liberty or the, the Eiffel Tower? Precisely. <laughs> Anyway, the Australian led them straight to Ferguson, who was promptly arrested. This set the precedent for the rest of history, basically. Got to remember that he's, over the, what, three years that he was operating as a con man, he'd made well in excess of half a million dollars, which is basically a billion pounds in today's money. We need to present value $500,000 Oh, I'll well, try and do that. Take my word for it, it's a billion pounds. Anyway, he, he was already in his 60s. He had enough money to retire. He decided against it, obviously, and he got arrested. And he was jailed for five years. All right. Well, that's not... I mean, no one got hurt. No, and, and five years was absolutely fair. And it's a very small price to pay for the fortune he made. He was released in 1930 because five yes. years, two and a half years with good behaviour... And he moved to L.A. where he lived in a lap of luxury, paid for by a few more convenient tricks until he died in 1938. A very happy man. So he spent five... Sorry, did you say he spent five years in the Nick? No, he was sentenced to five years, but he would only serve two and a half of those, wouldn't he? Well, uh, yes, possibly. And he made half a million. So that's not bad going, really. I would do do five years for for today's value of half a million in the 1920s, quite happily. Oh, yeah, you're probably right, actually. I mean, so what, quite a canny lie in bed fellow. reading all day for 24 hours, being fed, and then when you come out, you've got half a million in today's money. Exactly. That's good money. I've never had a job that paid that much. You've never had a job, have you? Oh, no, That's yes. a lie. <laughs> it was a good one. All right, here we go. Look, 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 I've got the number. Okay, come on. How much? So £100 in 1923 is worth £6,200 today. So... Let me Be put that ragged. Five hundred one two three. Calculate. Ooh, actually, it's not that much. How much is it? Thirty-one million. Oh, bugger that! I'm not doing two and a half years in prison for that. What? I mean, <laughs> what do you I'm mean surprised. it's not that much? Can I ask you a personal question, Mark? <laughs> We've never discussed your no, no, personal no, no, wealth, no, no, but, but I would like I would like to I would like to get your opinion on why thirty-one million. Is not that much. How uh, much? No, it's just that are I would you have pitched actually half worth? a million in 1923 is something like 50, no, no more, 100 million, I would have said. So 30 million, it's, you know, it's certainly a decent wedge. But when you think these influencers, no, influencers. <laughs> no, it's, it's the same thing. They're both a virus. 
influencers. They earn thirty million a week, don't they? No, no, don't don't believe the hype. They do. No, no, don't believe the hype. Maybe one person in the world does. No, well, you've got how many members of that Cadician uh, family or whatever they're called? Bless you. They're, they're, they're all earning five hundred million a year, aren't they? Oh, I mean. They, they talk nonsense numbers. Those numbers don't really exist. It's, it's mythical dollars. Just imagine if that bloke Ferguson was around today with uh, people like the family Oh, my God. He would have them living he on the be, street. Yes. He would rip them dry and not in a good way. <laughs> so, anyway, I thought this podcast was about the sale of London Bridge or had I misunderstood? Um, well, London Bridge, funnily enough, is is the myth because London Bridge is the one thing that he never actually sold. And no, but someone did. Look, the whole basis of this podcast, the sale of the London Bridge, no, it, I, it did no. actually happen. It's in a desert somewhere in America. Yeah, no, but that was that. No, that yes, London Bridge. But the thing is, the whole story there was the American thought he was buying Tower Bridge. Tower Bridge, and London Bridge was legitimately sold. This was a con yes. job. We're talking about the con job. No, no, no. But, London Bridge um, was legitimately sold. That wasn't a con. The only thing is that the American understood in his head that London Bridge was the one with the gates that went up. No, no, you're right. And so the common theme of the two stories is you can't underestimate the stupidity of... Oh, my God. Did you really go that racist? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I can continue this podcast with a racist <laughs> such as yourself. <laughs> Actually, is that racism? Well, you've just sort of generalised. Well, no, because it's not a race of person, is it? It's just no, a nationality. It's and a I nationality. didn't actually specify. But, but you know, there there was a story in the newspapers last week or the week before about a guy who has undergone surgery to become transracial, and he now identifies as a Korean. <laughs> I wonder why he. What did he start off as? To choose uh, to be Korean. I think he was. I think he was English. It was either English or American. But he he loves the K-pop and the Korean cartoons, and he's decided that he's trans. He's transracial, and you have no right to refute that. Otherwise, well, you'll get cancelled. So just to uh, just to balance the uh, level of stupidity aspect of the story. <laughs> Um, there was actually only a few days ago an Englishman who spent 28 million for about three minutes of weightlessness. He didn't even get into space. I know. Richard Branson. Oh, well, you can't name him. He might sue oh, us. Oh, fucking sue me, you fucking... Oh, sorry. <laughs> me, you... <laughs> fucker. Sorry. But, yeah... Richard Branson, I'm quite happy to let him sue me. What What's he going to get out of me? <laughs> what well, a toss-up. You toss get up. that very I smart mean, gaming chair you're serious, sitting on. Seriously, to, to pretend you're going into space when you go up in an aeroplane to 55 miles, space is 80 miles. Every no, it's school 80, 80 kilometres. Every school kid knows it's 80, not 55. Hang on a second. No, it's, no he got to... I can't remember where he got to. He got to 55. But not... Nowhere near space. Seriously, if, if you were going up into space, you would, you would have to suffer that G-force acceleration from the rockets. He did not go up in a rocket. He went up in a plane, for God's sake. There's no such... It's just such 
bullshit propaganda. And the same no. with Jeff Bezos. You know, he's taken an 80-year-old woman up with him. An 80-year-old woman. Are you well, telling me they're going to? Are you going to tell me that they're going to strap her in and put her through a, a sixteen G force accelerated takeoff? <laughs> no, but the point I'm making is that uh, you, uh, we were talking about stupidity. In spite of these people having made so much money, yeah. they can't think of anything better to do with their money than spend millions upon millions for. 90 seconds of weightlessness. I mean, what's it all about? Yeah, they, could have, make any sense. they could have just joined the Air Force and learned to fly. Or cured cancer. Oh, there or, is a cure for cancer. Oh, no, sorry. That's, uh, what's the safe word to stop you with your conspiracy theories? <laughs> <laughs> of course there's a cure for cancer, but there's too much money in the treatment of cancer. They will never let you have a cure. It's the same as... Petrol engines. There is a water engine out there, a hydrogen engine that runs on nothing and doesn't pollute the planet. But do you think they're going to let you have it because they can't control the price? Of water? Yes. Water's everywhere. If they could tax you on it, they would. We can't stray into other areas. We've got to uh, Um, limit our uh, subject matter to the subject in hand. And that was, what was his name, Ferguson? This was the story of Arthur Ferguson, who was a very, very clever Scotsman. Um, What was that? That was my Scottish accent. For some reason, Scots always say, No, After every sentence. Do you know how much that cost me, Well, that sounds like a scouser, Do you know what that... What? That's more like it. You nearly got it. No, hang on. This is a scouser. You're right, mate. You're kidding me or what? You're fucking joking. That's a scouser. (laughs) (laughs) What are you laughing about? Oh, dear. Right. Is that enough? Um, How many minutes do the audience expect? That's only 27 minutes, and most of that I'm going to have to cut anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that was no, but that's okay. It's a, even if it's only fifteen minutes, it doesn't matter. This was the strange story of Arthur Ferguson. If you enjoyed that, you can join us on our next podcast, which will be about something strange. And if you want to leave us a comment, you can get us on strange stuff podcast at gmail.com and leave us a note if you'd like us to investigate or talk about something in particular. And you can join us on Instagram at Strange Stuff Podcast, and where you'll get you can follow us there and you'll get updated on when our next episode comes out. So in the meantime, thanks for joining us and yep. we will speak to you soon. Bye for now.